Communication is central to connecting with others, but it isn't always easy, especially for empaths and sensitive people. You may avoid sharing if you're afraid of being judged or just you want to avoid conflict. In this episode, I wanted to explore how to develop the tools and the courage to speak your truth and use communication for connecting. Welcome to the Modern Life and Spirit Podcast, where we explore spiritual topics relevant to today's world. Your hosts, certified psychic medium, Christina Wooten, and Reiki master teacher, Robert Wooten, break down how to work with spirit to create more positive growth in your life. Consider this podcast your go-to spiritual resource for navigating the modern world. Hey there, kindred spirits. Welcome to Modern Life and Spirit Podcast. This is Christina Wooten, Certified Psychic Medium from SedonaMedium.com. Today, I'm talking to Sines Stevens, a head speaker coach for multiple TEDx events and has coached over 140 TED and TEDx speakers. She represented Japan for TED Worldwide and is a four-time TEDx speaker. Sines has a weekly nationwide broadcast TV show on communications and is an associate professor of business presentation skills at YNU. She's a six-time Cicero speechwriting winner going up against presidents and Nobel Prize winners. You may have seen her on NHK TV and Fox TV Japan or heard her as the official English voice of Hello Kitty. We talk about how communication can be healing and consciousness changing and a path to compassion. We also talk about the courage to be imperfectly yourself and opening up to share about the real and the raw things in life, the things that aren't necessarily pretty, but they need to be shared. So welcome to the show, Sanes. Thank you so much for joining us, being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Christina. It's so good to be with you. And you live in Japan though, right? Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've lived in Japan for 25 years. I kind of spend, you know, half my time in the US, half my time in Japan. So I'm so glad to have you here to shed some light on communication and connecting today. And I know that not everyone feels the guidance to just be bold and jump up on that TEDx stage <laughs> and share their story. But everyone does want to feel like they're sharing, like they're mm -hmm. making real connections with other people. And communication is so at the heart of that. But my question is, how in the world did you discover that you had a calling to be a speaking coach? Because so many people have nightmares about standing on stage and speaking, but you really ran towards this and you do it so beautifully. So how did this evolution happen for you? This, you know, that's really interesting because it's like running towards. I'm not sure that I was running towards. I think growing up the way that I did, um, communication was more of an Achilles heel. And it was something that I gravitated towards because I knew there was something deeper to communicate mm. on a higher level, to make a, a connection, a, a line between people. Or as we say in Japanese, there's a, um, a red string that binds people between their pinkies. Mm -hmm. It's this oh, okay. flow of energy soulmates in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I believe we have so many soulmates and people are like, I have one soulmate for life. And I'm like, well, what if we have soulmates for just a minute? Maybe it's a minute on a bus or the airport <laughs> or, and what if it's a lifetime? That's okay too. But when we have clear communication, we can have the ability to have those connections on a deeper level. And uh, I found for myself, and I know from my speakers and as coached over 140 TED and TEDx speakers around the world, my speakers don't speak because they want to. Mm. They speak because they have to. 
to create a change. Can you speak more about that? That's beautiful. It's a sense of creating a shift in consciousness. That decision, maybe it's not a decision, maybe it's a calling, maybe it's something deeper, more profound, because it no longer exists within oneself beyond the ego of, oh, if I do this, I'll look stupid or sound silly or, you know, it's something uh, my my sister-in-law said to me, she's like, oh, I should stop talking. It's like, well, what happens if we are able to communicate and create a shift in consciousness? What happens then? Some people find it challenging to communicate very clearly their desires, their personal desires. And if we can't communicate our own personal desires, how can we create a change in the world, a transformation? Right. A couple of days ago, I had a had a communication with a, a family friend, and there was something that made me feel uncomfortable. And every time I have this communication, I think, ah, oh, you know, this makes me feel uncomfortable. And I was very clear about setting my boundaries. Mm. And I told her about this entire meltdown that he had <laughs> over my decisions not to communicate about a certain subject. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, when he talks about it with me, I feel very uncomfortable too. But I always just try to change the subject because I, I, or just tune them out and dead ears. I'm like, well, I want to honor the relationship and honor our communication. And I have a choice. And one choice is I can choose to cut him off and dissolve that relationship completely. Mm -hmm. But I know that relationship is part of the honor of my family. And so I choose to create a better relationship by communicating clearly what my boundaries are. Mm -hmm. And if that person has, uh, as a voice in that communication as well, then we can come to terms. My speaker, Johnson Chong, he just spoke at TEDx Roland Park in Baltimore. And he spoke, oh, God, Christina, you'd love him. Oh, you'd love him. He's amazing. He just spoke on how to break up with your toxic family. Mm. He's a shaman and a yogi. And, you know, when he first started communicating, he was up in a, an ethereal plane up here, like, you know, family dynamics and the lineage and the contracts there within. And I was like, Oh, you mean like how to break up with your family? It's like, oh my God, that's it. That's so simple. <laughs> it is really simple to reframe those contracts and be able to think about our family dynamics or our communication dynamics in any kind of relationship. And I'm not meaning just relationships with your family members or your loved ones. I mean, relationship even to the cashier in the supermarket or your relationship to the person who's sitting in the next cubicle or whatever that is for you. Yeah. And how do we renegotiate the terms of the contracts that may have been unspoken both for ourselves and for that individual in order to have clearer communication. And so when I reset the communication boundaries and contracts, but when I set those out to communicate with our family friend, my sister-in-law said, I could never do that. I could never do that. And then the next day, this morning I woke up and she said, I did it. Wow. I said to him, no, you've gone too far. That's it. No more talking about that. Wow. And he said, okay. And they came to a new term in their relationship so that they can have deeper communication because it is a family friend. We have these choices in this. Mm -hmm. And uh, she was like, I'm so excited about this. I've never been able to say this before. So when we choose to show up differently in relationship to ourselves, when we choose to communicate differently with my, ourselves, like she chose, I am going to have better communication and clearer communication. Then we can show up differently in our relationship to others. Right. Really, the change is happening within that important change of, you know what? This is safe for me mm. to share what feels safer. Mm. It's safe for me to create a warm, loving, 
beautiful heart-centered space around me. And that includes environment. It includes relationships and how those relationships honor one another. And so when you create that internal space that says, okay, I, I'm going to share this. I'm going to be open and give this person the opportunity to respond and not project how I think they're going to respond, but just be prepared for that regardless of how they respond, it's safe for me to share. It's safe for me to express this and feel confident in that expression. And that internal like light bulb and that switch coming on is so beautiful that when we can do that, it's not about the other person's response. And a lot of times people will respect because you've shifted your energy, they'll respect what you are sharing, what you have to say. They'll go, okay, I see the fence here. I see the line. This relationship does mean something to me and I can make an adjustment in how I show up. Mm. So I love that there was this evolution in being able where you give through your own connection with being able to share your boundaries that it paved the way for other people to feel like, well, wait a minute, maybe I can do that too. Exactly. It's those ideas worth spreading, those ideas that we implement and practice in our everyday lives. That's when we can take it out on a larger level, but it starts within. It's that's our gift to ourselves and our gift to others. Mm -hmm. I didn't do that for my sister-in-law. I did that for me and the other party in that dynamic. Right. And that also was the idea of letting go of the expectations. Now, there was a meltdown that was had, not by me, <laughs> <laughs> but it's letting that person have their experience in that conversation dynamic, clearly communicating what I would like to communicate and listening to what he would like to communicate. And, and then also asking very clearly, can you hear and repeat back to me what I'm expressing here? And I talk about this in my TEDx talk, Have You Ever Felt Heard? And about how we can listen to another with more compassion. Mm -hmm. And when we do that, we can create shifts in consciousness for ourselves and for others. And also letting go of the expectations and the outcome of, what if this person doesn't want to communicate with me anymore? Am I okay to release that? And you know what? I am. Mm. I would, of course, love to continue further, but that's not up to me. This is an offering to you. And would you like to join me? Mm -hmm. Right. And if we can start ourselves in that space of compassion, and compassion is what? It's love, right. love and action. And when we start in a communication space of love and action, then we can create a new world, a new paradigm, a new way of showing up for ourselves and others. And that's what I love about communication. It's not that I pursued communication. I pursued love. That's beautiful. And love really, you know, comes with these connections and the heart of all of that is communication and sharing with one another. I think that's lovely. One of the things that I was hearing when you were sharing is the ability to have a detachment between your ability to share your truth and, and speak your truth openly and not being attached to the other person's response and how they were going to show up or what they were going to do with that information. How do you 
align with that? Or where does detachment, how does that connect with your concept of communication? Yeah, detachment sounds like a funny word, doesn't it? It sounds like I am detached of all emotion. (laughs) It's this very stoic place. What if it was more perceived as accepting and releasing the expectations. Mm-hmm. Years and years ago, um, my, my darling, my, I call my husband my darling because husband sounds too ownershipy. <laughs> my darling and I were going through a rough time, uh, you know, when he first moved to Japan to be with me. We'd had a long distance relationship for four years and um, he came there and we we're having some challenges and I just gotten a, my dream job offer and that was going to take me to China. And I thought this is going to be the end of it. It's one of those moments in our lives where we're just like, yep, this is going to be our sayonara moment. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I said, you know, hey, <laughs> Yuji, um, how would you feel about moving to China? And he said, oh, yeah, yeah, like, okay, let's go. And I'm like, what? This is, this is going to be our end moment here. I was like, what are you talking about? And the, okay. And I'm like, well, you, you know what you could do? You're super, you're a super great physiotherapist. You're super cute. You could do all these things. You'd be great in online video. I can help you get your online business started. And he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sinesh, that's your dream, not mine. Mm-hmm. He's like, you figure your stuff out. I'll figure my stuff out. I'm like, but, but you know, like, what are you going to do? He's like, well, are, th- are there rivers in China? I said, yeah, there are rivers. He's like, well, I'll take my kayak. And I'll go. I mean, <laughs> like, you can't work there. There's nothing you could do in China as a job. Like, you, you got to figure this out. And he's like, will this job make you happy? I said, well, I, I think so. He's like, then that's all we need. And whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm like, what? Wait, wait. I have a thousand expectations of you and about a million one of myself. And all you want for me to be is happy. Happy. That's it. That's the only expectation. Oh, hang on a second. We have a cat named Nadia. Why Why do you love Nadia? He's like, well, when Nibbles the cat died, you were sad and we got Nadia and you were happy. So you love Nadia because she makes you happy. Here I am thinking we're at the end of our road together. And I had all these expectations of him, all these expectations of myself. And his only expectation was for me to be happy. And so at that, that moment that I changed my expectations, and what if we were to show up in a state of our own independent happiness of that. And that other person comes together in that independent state of happiness. Mm-hmm. And if we can release those expectations, which I have not become the master of, <laughs> but it's a continual practice of releasing the expectations because the only expectation, the person who loves me the most in the world, maybe, maybe not, but whatever, I can't have expectations of that either. The person I'm with today, his only desire for me is to be happy and how come I can't hold that for myself? Mm. And it doesn't mean I have to be happy every day. I release that expectation too. When there are days where we wake up in the morning and go like, you know, if a bus hit me today, I'd be okay with that. <laughs> and maybe the expectation then is just to be okay with that. And do I have to hold that expectation? No. Okay. So letting go of all those perceived expectations is just noting that they're there and going, huh, I'm holding that expectation. Does it serve me in this moment? Yes or no. And when in communication with another person, does my expectation serve either one of us in this moment? It's either yes or no. And for the most part, it's going to be a no. And how do we let go of that? It's a practice. And practice doesn't mean mastery in the first go or even after 100 years of this. We can also do the same when we're in communication. Right. The more that we focus on presence and true presence in a loving way for other people, that's when the deeper work happens. That's when that 
connection where the universe can flow through both people and something new and beautiful can be created from that energy of presence together. And I did want to ask when you're in these places where the emotion is high, it's maybe a charge topic or something where it really hits on some of your trigger points. Mm-hmm. How do you stay centered and still communicate what your truth is in that moment without getting into blaming and you know anger and being able to stay really present in your heart in a centered way? <laughs> Uh, that's that's another expectation is for oneself to be centered constantly and grounded. Um, my speaker, Jessie uh, Junta Rafe, she gave a fabulous, fabulous TEDx talk on how to deal with anxiety. And she's a psychotherapist down in California. And oh, by the way, that's one of the Cicero award-winning talks. She's wonderful. I may not be a genius, but I love getting to tap into other people's genius. And one of the things she talks about is it's an evolution that we have. Like we have so much knowledge of how we should be behaving in our dynamics with other people, our dynamics with our even within ourselves. When we think about the shoulds or shouldn'ts of that, it's really our knowledge and the gap that exists is the evolution of our brain. We have not evolved to behave in certain ways. We're still thinking about the saber-toothed tiger. We're still thinking about fight or flight. We're still thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. And this is what I love about Jessie and her talk is that she helps us understand that we don't have to bridge that gap immediately between I should be behaving calm, grounded, and centered in everything. I'm a proponent of anger. You know, I remember Jesus in the Bible, this great story of of Jesus walking into the temple and he's looking around and he's going, wow, you people, you're selling wares and false idols in the house of God. And he's like, and he (laughs) roars and he throws things over. And he's like, you know, it wasn't Jesus walking in going, excuse me, ladies and gentlemen, I'd have preferred if uh, my father who art in heaven, he said, uh, could you please uh, just, you know, (laughs) stop selling things. If you could just mind your way and move outside, (laughs) much, much appreciate that. No, it was a roarous caucus of, and we need to finish this. And no, this is unacceptable. And there was anger. And anger is beautiful. And I know so many of us are afraid of it. And when we look for our seed of an idea of what we do want to share on a TED or TEDx stage, a lot of people stay in their mind and their headset and their heart set. And they're like this beauty, ethereal, this passionate area, as opposed to getting into the darkness of the anger, which is an impetus for what? Change. That is where we can begin the journey towards universal love. It's recognition that this is unacceptable. Mm -hmm. One, I would say that, you know, anger, I do think is very healthy. Mm. And I think anger is a part of authentic, you know, honoring of self. (laughs) It is Mm, an extension of passion that we have of, you know, a sometimes a real impetus for change. But I find that it's a real hindrance, I think, in communication when two people are in a really triggered place together. It's like, you know, the, the bomb goes off and it's not, there's not a way to create forward progress when you have two matches that are just going off (laughs) and not, you're not in a listening space and an open place. And that's such an important part of communication for sure. 
Oh, 100%. And I agree with you. It's the notation of the anger, the notation of those things and noting that and going, wow, this really ticks me off. This is not where I want to be. And then taking note of that, feeling where that comes from, feeling that inside of your body and taking that data point and going, "Mm, have I felt this before? Where have I recognized this emotion from? What does this come from? And taking that internal journey, because that is your journey, not the other person's journey. You may be triggering them as much as you, they are triggering you. So if we can take that internal journey, take that note of it and just say, I'd like to answer that. I need an hour. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can I talk with you about this tomorrow? What is this? Is this about this moment? It might be. Or is this about something else? And it's not saying that your story is not valid or my story. I don't want to, you know, throw my stuff on anybody else. Where is this coming from? And how do I want to approach it this time? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do think those those moments of anger, the darkness are beautiful to acknowledge, note, receive, and take a moment to contemplate and then take a break, spend time on it by oneself and then come back. Mm-hmm. It becomes part of that healing journey, that deeper quest of self-understanding and exploration. I can't remember where I heard this, but it was maybe a few months ago, and it's been really revolutionary in how I think of speaking and communication. And what you said really highlighted this for me, where people need silence in communication in order to process what's being said. And if there isn't places where people can process, it's like the information is only hitting on one level in one place. And so when you were sharing about, I'm going to, I'm going to take a break and then let's come back. This, that beauty of taking processing time, I think really also shows a deeper respect and a deeper sensitivity to not only, you know, self-understanding, but also to, I need to process what is being said on a deeper level. And it shows trust too, right? I trust myself in relation to you. Uh, One of my speakers, uh, one of my TEDx speakers, Kathy Garner, she gives an amazing TEDx talk on the relationship and how each of the components of a relationship is like a boat. It's like a ship. And when we look at how the mast and how the hull of the ship and all these elements come together, when we have them in one whole part, it's a it's a relationship built of trust. Mm-hmm. And it is always a relationship of connecting with trust and how you are relating to yourself and to the other based on those components. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about the moment, the pause. And that's a very Taoist concept of the embracing the pause, holding that pause for yourself in any kind of communication, but also holding it within a relationship and his trust. I have faith that we will continue and we will either move forward together or we'll make another choice. And that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Trusting the journey. Yeah. Trusting ourselves on that journey. Yeah. It's so much really requires our own trust in how we express ourselves, how we represent ourselves, and just knowing that we're safe to be able to do that. So here is the chicken or the egg question. <laughs> okay. Do you feel like the confidence to speak and really share your story comes first 
or speaking comes first and then you develop confidence? Neither. It comes from a different space. Are you familiar with the cellist Yo-Yo Ma? Yeah. He's uh, the most brilliant cellist in the world. And he says, without deep contemplation, we're just communicating sheer sound. So the contemplation is the essence of creating that competence. Because with contemplation comes competence. With competence comes confidence. I like to look at our relationship as we're creative collaborators. I may be, you know, a speaker coach and a speech writer, but we're not. It's not that at all. It's us connecting on a deeper level to really sit with your ideas and do it in an organic way that you're present with yourself and the energetic flow of those ideas in such depth that you become almost like a conduit for this idea. And those conversations, the playfulness that we get to have back and forth, it really solidifies what's important to you, what's important to the world on a universal level. And when you sit with it for, you know, we spend, sometimes it takes a year to develop a a great talk. Sometimes it takes a month. But, you know, the more that we sit with it, the more that we're with those ideas, that fundamental foundation creates that confidence. And it's not saying, oh, put it off till tomorrow. It's not that. It's allowing oneself space and journey in the journey to do so. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the exciting part. Giving oneself the grace and space to create on a deeper level. And that's exciting. It's a space in which you grow, you evolve, and you need this message because it's an evolution. It's a journey. And people get to come along with you on it. Mm-hmm. There's an internal calling or something inside of me, that voice that needs to come out because maybe it'll impact one person and that will impact another person and another person exponentially until we really create massive change. So what do you say to that person who wants to feel more open, wants to feel like they are sharing but also finds that in the moment they're just like shaking and nervous and stressed out and then maybe go into avoidance mode. What's that first step? Take a breath, pause, contemplate. You know, we all experience that. I've spent most of my life on TV and stage and written academic journals on presentations. I still sit there and every time it's that moment of what is this experience? Why am I feeling nervous? It's not about the words I have to say, although I can sit there and I can write out some ideas. I can think about it and contemplate. But what is the deeper feeling behind all this? And that deeper feeling is if I speak, if I say something, they don't like it. And if they don't like it, it means they don't like me. And if they don't like me, that means I'm, I'm not lovable. Mm. And when we understand that we are lovable, then we can take that, oh, yeah, that's not really true. I am a, a being worthy of love. I am a being worthy of my ideas being liked. I'm a being worthy of sharing. And so I will take the time to take a breath, pause, maybe write a note down for myself, think about what it is, and then exhale that idea out into the world. That's lovely. I I do agree that I find that if I start to feel that little flood of stress hormones that comes up, right? Be- it's usually for me right before I go on a Facebook Live, where I'll just get that little zzz of stuff, and I, 
I just take that cleansing breath and I can just feel it all in my nervous system of just, ah, oh, that relaxation that comes, yeah. that sense of peace and calm. And this is going to be okay. Really what it comes down to in the big picture, the journey of sharing is is beautiful and it's worth it. And even if you stumble, if you make a mistake, it just shows that you're human. And it actually, I think, makes us even more <laughs> lovable and relatable. Yeah. You know, we can connect with that rather than that, you know, maybe perfect speaking person who's just like always has their words nailed down and always, you know, just has perfect delivery and always their hair looks so great <laughs> when they're sharing, you know, all these things. It's just, wow, when we're human beings and we show up real and authentically, there's more love, I think, that's there. But I love what you share about it just starts with the breath. Yeah. Just the breath brings that cascade of this is okay. This is okay. And what's the worst that happens if I show up on this live or if I show up to this family conversation that is a, a challenging conversation and I flub through it a little bit, right? I can always just take another deep breath and go, <laughs> okay, let's try again. Let's start over. <laughs> yeah. You show up imperfectly as yourself. I do. You do. We all do. And then there are moments where we choose not to. That's okay too. Isn't that all right? Yeah. So are you a fan of scripting or should it be more just roll in with what, what's on your heart in the moment? It depends on the situation. For TED or TEDx, you definitely, because you've got a really tight amount of time. You've got between four and 18 minutes yeah. at the event to communicate your ideas so that every word hits with impact. Rolling with it doesn't work. You want to make sure that everything is landing. One of my speakers, Aisha, um, she's very logic-minded. She spoke about how to bridge the gender gap through investing. And she's very logic-minded and she's had to be in a very male-dominated field, especially as a VP of Credit Suisse. And she was kind of resistant to the stories and creating some levity in there and finding what those were. And to the end, she was like, no, I'm going to cut the Bowerbird story. And like, See these great stories in there that are the essence of connection for the talk. Now that I believe in the power story for everything, that's not necessarily the case. However, she walked off stage and was like, wow, you are an engaging and natural storyteller. And that was something that was a skill and a gift to be worked on and to hone and develop through, for, well, I think we worked together for nine months on that talk. Wow. And it came across so effortless that everybody just was like, wow, those are dynamic. 1,400 people in that TEDx audience standing ovation for a talk on investing. <laughs> Impressive. Right? right? So having that time gives you that deep contemplation to be able to create and co-collaborate and see what that looks like. And there are times where it's great to speak off the cuff, like you and I are today. We're just playing. We're having fun. We're communicating about different ideas. You ask questions and I'll answer. You know, this isn't like a typical, like, here's how you get booked to speak at TED or TEDx. It's more about, hey, what's it feel like inside your body and your soul and your spirit and your mind when you're choosing to connect from the heart? And what does that feel like? And that's a very different experience. And we get to have that present moment together. This is a once in a lifetime thing, Christina, that we'll never have this exact same dialogue with anybody else. Mm -hmm. And those free flowing moments are fun. 
Those are exciting. But that's also where we start to create your scripts from too, is through these, like, I wonder where this conversation is going. Like, I wonder too. I bet it's going to be good. <laughs> yeah. Having that amount of time and play with it. So yeah, I'm a proponent of both. For TED or TEDx, you have to have it scripted out. I, I've seen speakers at events go like, you know what? I'm going to rip up my script and speak from the heart. And everybody's like, yay, speak from the heart. And they're like, and then five minutes later, like, speak from the script. Because <laughs> <You know? laughs> there is this element of fear of what if what I've made is not good enough, but it's going to be easier mm -hmm. to go back and say, well, I just did it off the cuff. So if it didn't work out, it's okay too. Rather than putting the time and dedication to mastery and to know mm -hmm. it is worthy of being heard. Ooh, I like that a lot. It's worthy of being heard. And especially if you have that inner calling to share, however that looks, whether it's, you know, on the TEDx stage or whether it's, you know, to your communities or to your friendships and your relationships, if there's that inner desire, then something needs to be moved through or healed or created through that free flow of communication. And I think you do a really beautiful job of, I've seen several of your talks, which I'm going to link in the show notes as well, where you're sharing these intimate stories and struggles, things that people often will maybe not even feel comfortable sharing in their small inner intimate circles. And you're sharing, you know, your mother's mental health challenges and about the grief of miscarriage, which is so raw and personal and intimate and vulnerable to share. And I admire that you have such courage to stand in front of an audience and to share, kind of give people a window into what that experiences have been like for you and create a, a connection or place where people can open and feel the heart, feel the authenticity of what it is that you're sharing. And I'm curious as to how does that feel on a human level to share that? On a stage. I originally gave the talk, Have You Ever Felt Heard, which was originally titled How to listen so people will speak. Unfortunately, they didn't write that title down and they retitled it themselves. <laughs> I gave that at a TEDx event. Ironically, the talk about how to listen so people can speak and have you ever felt heard, uh, the audio got unplugged and was unheard. <laughs> oh, whoa. And I thought at that time, like, oh, how, how hilarious. But I also thought, oh my gosh, if my mom ever heard that I went on the world's biggest stage and said, my mom's got mental illness. <laughs> I thought she's going to hate it. Yeah. Oh my she's going to be so upset about this. And the fact that the audio got unplugged and everything that could go technically wrong went wrong. And the, it was a beautiful talk. It got a standing ovation. It was fantastic. However, it was never to be heard. And I went back and I had a dialogue with my mom and we talked about it and we opened up. Mm -hmm. And that ended up being part of the next incarnation of that talk because I was picked up for another TEDx event who had heard about this talk and was like, we'd love you to come speak on this since it wasn't recorded. I'm like, fantastic. But it opened up a space for us to have that communication and to create an 
And to that energetic lineage, mm-hmm. create a shift in my family ancestry mm. and heal that for once and for all. And the result of which has been profound for her, for me, for everyone around us. Yeah, sometimes we don't speak just for ourselves. We speak because, like I said, we have to. Mm -hmm. And it's not just creating a change for ourselves. It's creating a change in the energy for others as well. I've made a choice in this life to practice the, I don't want to say art. The gift I choose is practicing openness. And hopefully that will open doors for others. So even my TEDx talks or even my stand-up comedy, I often talk about subjects like fear of death or embracement of death, Mm -hmm. baby loss, which is one of the funniest topics in the world. (laughs) I also didn't want to go on the world's biggest stage and like, my baby died, you know? But I I choose these subjects because they, they open up a chance for others to communicate their pains. Mm-hmm. then we create a space for healing. That's been my choice in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. Do you find that the response to that is is really open? Like people are, are they very supportive? Mm. Oh, I get two things. You know, one is uh, I get the shame and blame. Um, when I was a professor at the university, um, my colleagues would shame and blame me for my baby losses. Like, it's your fault. You know, it was God's will. You know, if you hadn't been working so hard. On the other side, because I choose to speak about it, so many more people open up. I remember when I was giving the talk about miscarriage, what do you say? It's a very difficult subject. And the entire audience had all of five females in it. The rest of them were old men, all in their 50s plus. And I thought, oh no, I'm speaking to the wrong audience. And two of the girls were high school students, and there were three older women. When I got off the stage, the three women came up and they said, you know, they're doctors for that. You shouldn't be talking about that kind of stuff in public. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. When I was looking out over the audience, though, uh, I did feel a bit of, hmm, okay, focus on the 600 women whose stories you're representing today. And I listened to 600 women's stories of loss and what words brought them comfort, what brought them pain, what made them feel embraced through their experience of grief. Right. And how can we give not just our our chance for us to express ourselves, but giving the tools to others around us in order to embrace us. And I think that grief goes across the field, no matter what kind of grief you're experiencing, whether it's life transition, a transitioning into another realm for a family member or a friend, or even for a baby. How do we give those tools to other people? And as I was giving that talk, I noticed my assistant was in the front row and she was like, waving the paper. I'm like, crud, did I skip a line? Like, focus on their stories. Focus on their stories. And all these men out there, and my husband, he's like really sweaty in the front row. He just had a the flu. And I was like, he came all the way down for me to come give this talk and support me. And he was really sweaty. And then I was like, the auditorium must be really hot because everyone is sweating. And then I realized they're crying. And afterwards, at the after party, For two hours, both my husband and I had lines of all of these men who wanted to share about their experiences of having lost babies and that they hadn't felt heard in their loss and their grief. That is something that demonstrated, you know, even if we think we're at the wrong place, maybe there's somebody out there, just that one person needs to hear you. And we were surprised how many of those men had felt unheard in their loss. That was a beautiful space to be in. It's not always about us. Wow. that's I love that you were saying about 
focusing on the stories and not just your own story, but the deeper message there that needed to be shared and being able to get that validation that you were exactly where you needed to be in that moment, sharing the exact message that you needed to share in that moment. And through trusting that process, you were able to be put in the right place to create incredible healing for that two hour line of people who needed to, to cleanse and connect and feel what was coming up for them. I think that's really a beautiful beautiful story. And I, I hope that people will remember that when you are standing somewhere and you think, I'm talking to the wrong audience, <laughs> <laughs> that your, your message needs to be shared and that something beautiful can come of just sharing it and releasing it out into the world and letting it be what it needs to be, that there's another energy that can come back when you get out of the ego part and let go. Yeah. Well, I have one more question for you because I'm curious. So my process, I do a lot of podcasts, do a lot of talk. I feel like I'm just talking all the time sometimes. <laughs> doing a lot of talking here. Mm. We do Facebook lives. I'm writing things. It's like so there's there's a lot of communication. Sometimes at the end of the day, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just need, I just need a moment to retreat and to have my silence and to take some deep breaths and process everything as well. Right before the podcast, I do like a little pump up music. Sometimes I do a little bit of a dance, you know, just something that kind of builds my energy up and helps me to get in that place where, you know, I'm not as serious. I'm not, you know, so in the mind that I'm not intuitive, that I'm not allowing something else to speak. Like I need that musical part and the movement part to help me like loosen up a bit. What does your pre-talk ritual look like? I assume that you have one. I do actually. And all of my speakers do this too. So I wrote one of my academic journals was about how to connect to the soul, to stand on stand on intention and literally just be grounded through your soles of your feet, through your body. And we sit and have that moment of silence and contemplation. And what is my intention for today? And just like before coming on this podcast, I said, what is my intention for our time together? Mm -hmm. sit with that for a second. It's like the same thing I do at the beginning of every session with my speakers too. Mm -hmm. Like, What is our intention? Maybe in a word or a phrase. And then we just write that on the sole of our shoes and write that down and allow it to come through. And it's grounding us. I was working with my speakers and there was this, you know, I do this all the time. I'm like, all right. So we were standing in a circle and this is where it came to like, oh, wow, this is really deep. This works. I asked Daniel Epstein, who's like the founder of uh, Entrepreneurs at Sea. And I was like, what's your intention? He's like, oh, have fun. I'm like, okay, he wrote have fun. And he went out and he went, he was having a great time. The audience was having fun. He was having fun. The entire talk was fun. Mm -hmm. uh, Megumi went up and her talk was about being half and what it's like to be bicultural. Uh, what's your intention? And she said, reverberate. And you can almost see the waves of reverberation going from her mouth to the audience, like wah, 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 and back from the audience, like wah, 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 wah. Mm -hmm. It's really cool. And then this one guy, he, um, he invented some sort of like glasses thing that's kind of like Google Glass, but something like that. And I said, well, what's your intention? He said, standing ovation. <laughs> standing ovation. I'm like, I wonder how this is going to go. Okay. And so of course he went out there and spoke. And what 
What do you think happened, Christina? I'm going to guess standing ovation. Standing ovation. So he went out there and he gave his talk. And at the end, everyone, shing, total silence. <laughs> because Daniel Epstein was about having fun. That was giving energy to the audience. And the audience recycled that energy and gave it right back to him. Megumi as well. She gave reverberation to the audience and the audience reverberated that back to her. But that standing ovation is a personal demand. I want this from you. Mm -hmm. Give me this. And we all know how that works out in relationships. You know, when you, you know, when you, there's a relationship, mm -hmm. they're like, just love me, love me. <laughs> and you're like, no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's, that's exactly what happened. So when we sit there in our intentional states, how do we create that intention? That's um, a connection between you and that person who's opening to receiving your message. And so doing that. And so that's what we do before we step into our space together. Just like today, you and I, my intention was connection. Do you feel like we had that today? I do. And I like that what you're sharing is that the intention is centric in how you are going to show up and how you are sharing versus in that, you know, control space of like what you said, I'm dem versus demanding this type of response. It's how am I going to show up? How am I going to be centered in how I want to connect with the audience and, and share of the heart. So I think that's really lovely. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So my intention for today would have been to, when I sit down, I always do a little bit of, of quiet time just right before we start. And I'm always asking spirit and the universe to work through me in whatever way is the highest and best to support the audience and those that are listening. So whatever it is that needs to be shared, however we can touch them at the highest MS level that I'm as much as possible trying to release my own ego, my own expectations for what I want to talk about and allowing something deeper to move through, to come through that when both of us are in that space, that there's a third energy that's really present. And so that's when I go into my clearing just before we start, that's what that looks like for me and my intention. Oh, beautiful. Oh, Christina, that's so lovely. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show today. I know that there are so many really good nuggets and really good takeaways that it doesn't just apply to standing on a stage and public speaking, but in true relating with one another. And I, one of the words you said earlier that's really stuck with me is about acceptance, being able to accept other people's response and being present for that, taking that pause and that stillness moment before you, you share when you get that little ruffle of nervousness. So I know there's lots of takeaways and I think people will be really inspired by the courage that you've shared and being so vulnerable in some of your talks. I really enjoyed watching them. So I'm going to link those in the show notes. But for those that would like to connect with you further and learn more from you or just take a deeper dive into communication, how would you suggest they get in touch with you? Well, if you'd love to find out about how to speak at TED or TEDx, you can come to my website, yourspeakingjourney.com and download your roadmap to TED. And it's everything you need to know about finding your ideas. It'll also come with a seven-day, four minutes a day to find your TED-worthy idea mini video course. And that's at yourspeakingjourney.com. If you ever have any questions and you just you know want to reach out and say hi, I would love that too. It's Sones, S-O-N-E-S-S. -S at yourspeakingjourney.com. 
Christina, thank you so much for sharing your space and spending time with me today. It's been such a joy. I've really loved having you on. Thank you so much for your open-hearted sharing. I really appreciate it, and I could feel that energy moving through. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, my joy. I'm, I'm so grateful. I hope you got a lot from this talk. One of my big takeaways is the term creative collaborators. I really love the idea of seeing communication as a partnership that has the potential to be really playful and exciting. I'd love to hear some of your takeaways too. You can find me on Instagram at Sedona Medium or on Facebook. Also, I'm going to be linking some of the TEDx talks that Sinest did in the show notes. So if you're interested, you can find that link in the description wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next time. Many blessings. The Modern Life and Spirit podcast is for informational purposes only. The information provided is not intended to provide medical, psychological, legal, or financial advice. Information provided is not to diagnose or treat any medical or psychological illness. To read the full disclaimer, see SedonaMedium.com.